Good morning, I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. It's good to have you with us here today for the Congregation of Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. It is Tuesday, September 27th, 2022. Our catechesis today will continue um, to consider what is coveting. And reflecting upon the uh, the idea of coveting with the children this morning, I recognize that <clears throat> it's probably one of the things, it's hard to really categorize this, but uh, probably one of the things um, that God speaks to us that we believe the least. Namely, that God provides for us uh, so that we may live in faith toward him and love toward our neighbor and not even thinking of ourselves. Uh, reflected on this in this in the sermon on Sunday, how we're so caught up in anxiety and worry about um, the things of this life, forgetting, of course, that God has already promised it as a first first article, you know, creaturely gift. God provides um, bread and clothing and all of that, right? And that maybe this was my reflection this morning. Uh, maybe the lack that we have is not entirely well. It it may be partly our fault that we're poor stewards, of course. But God can overcome that. Maybe the lack we have is actually God's way of repenting us to remind us um, that everything we have for body, life, and faith is a gift from him. And uh, so then the nature of coveting is desiring what God has not given, which presumes that God gives, that God gives everything that is needed uh, for house and home, for for, uh, land and animals, for a wife and children, for um, workers, for animals, all of that, right? That God provides that. And that to live in faith is is to simply do and to be what God has given us to be um, and to think less of oneself. Um, I think maybe you might take in mind Dickens' uh, Christmas Carol would be a good example of this, right? Where the the three... I was going to call them angels, the three ghosts, right? The ghosts of Christmas past and present and future uh, come to him to help him recognize that he's living a life of greed and envy, but that it it has destroyed his love, right? The love for one another. And Chris is right. We are here because God gives, right? He gave us our life and he provides for it. And the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord, to quote Job, right? Um, so, good to see you in the chat. I see Vicky checked in on YouTube. Um, Karen... Gus and Eileen, Don and Karen and Lori are all on Facebook. Um, I'd really like to move away from Facebook in particular. Now, YouTube's not all that much better, but um, given all of the indications uh, as of late um, as to what Facebook is doing with user data, um, the, the <laughs> apparently uh, I would probably be one of these people that has been uh, the has been spied upon. This. There's no social media platform that's free of this. The U.S. Postal Service has been trolling um, social media feeds to to see um, who has been violating election law or that kind of thing. So it's hard to know, um, you know, how well you'll you'll participate if I don't use Facebook. That's the reason why I continue to stream there. Um, I, what I could do is stream to another platform um, that doesn't um, doesn't forfeit your data the way that Facebook and even YouTube does. Um, but then um, I'd have to share the link to it for a while, and then that help you to jump over to another platform. Anyway, um, basically, 
I don't know what level of of fraud and um, personal rights violation will have to be the case before people just stop using these platforms. Um, anyway, just a side note. So uh, let's actually begin with our devotion. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Memory verse. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Matthew 6, verses 33 through 34. Our psalm is Psalm 119, verses 33 to 40. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Confirm to your servant your promise that you may be feared. Turn away the reproach that I dread, for your just decrees are good. Behold, I long for your precepts and your righteousness. Give me life. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. All right, ninth commandment. Say it with me. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not scheme to get our neighbor's inheritance or house or get it in a way which only appears right, but help and be of service to him in keeping it. Tenth commandment, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not entice or force away our neighbor's wife, workers, or animals, or turn them against him but urge them to stay and do their duty. Good. First reading is from Romans chapter 7. What shall we say then? Is law sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law. For I would not have known covetousness unless the law had said, You shall not covet. But sin, taking opportunity by the commandment, produced in me all manner of evil desire. For apart from the law, sin was dead. I was alive once without the law, but when the commandment came, sin revived, and I died. And the commandment, which was to bring life, I found to bring death. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it killed me. Therefore the law is holy, and the commandment holy, and just, and good. Has then what is good become death to me? Certainly not. But sin, that it might appear sin, was producing death in me through what is good, so that sin through the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. I think this is probably one of the least favorite portions of Holy Scripture. 
especially from um, those, unfortunately, I would say the majority of Christian traditions that hold um, that we humans have the capacity to do good, and that all we need is more direction, more instruction, and then we will do better. Um, this is often called free will theology, right? And there's all sorts of different um, understandings of the will. Uh, we, we, as Lutherans, confess that um, we do have um, the will to choose good and evil in regards to this world, right? A capacity that actually is a consequence of our fall into sin, which we'll hear about here in Genesis 3. Um, so that will, um, you know, to a certain degree also is what allows us to live in this life, right? That we walk, you know, that we see the the vehicle barreling down the road out here, as just happened a few minutes ago, and that we don't step out in front of it, right? Um, that we, we exercise our will to say, I'm not going to put myself into harm's way, right? Um, and it could be the opposite too, right? You could see someone in need and choose um, to care for them. The problem is, not so much with our will in matters uh, temporal or of, of time or of, um, of earth, but the will before God, the will before God, right? We find out um, that, you know, our, our self-preservation and even trying to help those in need is always done with a corruption behind it, right? That the, that the heart has been corrupted before God, that we no longer listen to God, we believe, nor do we trust in him, um, nor do we do what he says um, with willing and free hearts, Right? Um, that's what sin is. The only reason that any of that might be accomplished is that Christ, by his Spirit, works in us. So here Paul talks about this, that before God, our will is bound, bound to sin, right? But we didn't know it, right? So those who confess that we have a will uh, you know, to choose God, to love him, um, to seek after him outside of God choosing us, electing us, bringing us to faith through baptism, through the word preached and absolution, uh, well, this, un- this text from Paul undermines that idea. And what's really interesting, of course, to our commandments 9 and 10, is coveting. He says, and he's right, that without God speaking from Sinai um, what it means to covet, and using that word very specifically, he, as well as any, any of us, would not know what it is. We think it's completely, not only natural, um, but good that we desire what isn't ours, because that's our then gives us that drive to work hard and to pursue to gain wealth and um, everything that Mammon offers. To quote the song, right? Uh, we find out that that inherent desire um, to enrich oneself is actually a, a kind of unbelief, as we talked about, uh, as I was suggesting before, that uh, what we. What is behind that is maybe to provide for oneself and one's needs and the children, but at the same time, that that would all be good, but at the same time, desiring actually to have what God has not given, right? Not being content with who God has made you and what he has provided for you, but pursuing more and more so that you can live apart from God, right? Eat, drink, and be merry, right? As As the man says, I soul, I say to my soul, I've you know, as the parable goes. So, to live apart from God, right? But no, God spoke his law. He says, thou shalt not covet your neighbor's house or his wife or his manservant, his, any, anything that belongs to your neighbor. Why? So that you could see 
um, it, that sin would be revived, that you would see it, that you would know it, and that you would die to it, right? Yeah. Why? So that, as you'll get to later on in chapter 7 and into chapter 8, that, that Christ um, would live in us and that he would be the one um, that would bring about the change of life um, that we so desperately need. All right, so coveting is not something that we know by nature, maybe before the fall into sin, but, but now it has to be spoken to us. We have to see, we have to have that lack of um, um, contentment in what God has given us exposed for what it is, sinful, unbelieving rebellion, that God would heal it, right? And bring us into contentment that only he can give um, through his promises. There's much more that could be said about Romans 7. It's a brilliant chapter. Um, it really, like I said, contradicts, I think, um, well, how we'd like to think of ourselves and maybe even how we think of this world. Um, we'll talk more about that here with Genesis 3. So let's read that. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it. Eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and Eve, or Adam and his wife, hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. All right. So, uh, obviously quite familiar reading. Uh, by the way, I don't know if you noticed this. Um, I finally found uh, a mosaic that pictures um, what, uh, you know, kind of a, a secondary tradition. Um, ever since Jerome translated the Bible into Latin, um, you, you almost always see the fruit that they eat as being uh, an apple because um, the word for apple, malice, um, sounds like the word for evil. Malice, right? They're homonyms, right? But here in this um, Italian uh, mosaic, so it's in a cathedral, uh, one, you have Christ speaking his word um, to Adam and Eve and here bringing judgment upon them, right? Well, if God walked in the cool of the gar- walked in the garden in the cool of the day, that's Jesus. So there it is. Um, also notice, obviously, they have their fig leaves that are trying to cover their private parts there. Um, but the... Um, Actually, it's the reproduction, reproductive organs, right? Which is key, actually. You talk about the seed of the woman and the seed of the devil. Um, but the other thing is the tree itself. You can see that in the picture. Um, it's actually, that's a fig tree. Um, so you can see that the fig leaves are there. They match the fig leaves that Adam and Eve have, although she, proportionally they're different sizes. Um, but the, the fruit is figs as well. Um, I think that might help us when we get to talking about Jesus in the in Jerusalem and the cursing of the fig tree. Anyway, um, it's still speculative, so uh, there you go. What form did Satan appear to the serpent? Right? It was in the form of a serpent. Of course, he appears in other forms 
um, in Revelation, it's a dragon, right? So, a serpent with legs. Uh, who was present when the command about the tree of knowledge was given? It's a key detail in the story. Maybe it, you have to go back to Genesis 2, actually, to hear it. But the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of the good and evil, of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day you eat of it, you will surely die. And then the Lord God makes the woman. Right? So the command not to eat of the tree came before the creation of the woman. Uh, to whom did Satan speak, though? To the one whom God had given the command? No. He speaks to Eve. Right? And his temptation begins by um, this question, right? Has God indeed said? Notice, temptation comes by words. And how does resistance, resistance to temptation come? Again, by words. God has said, you shall not eat of it, nor shall you touch it lest you die. Well, God didn't exactly say that. So, Eve is already um, slipping here a bit, I think. Um, but she does echo back to him what, uh, what God has said. How does Satan call God a liar? It's just straight up here in verse 4, right? You will not surely die, as God had said, right? So now, now that's where the deceit comes. And then he says there's a benefit, actually, of believing his words and not God's words. You will be like God. That's what he's withholding from you. God is withholding something from you, keeping you from being your best person, right? There's coveting. That's exactly what coveting is. Desiring what God has not given, thinking that that what God has given is not sufficient, right? Um, and so you'll be like God, which is the greatest idolatry of all, right? To make oneself into an idol. Of course, um, there is a sad truth echoed in the serpent's words that despite what we just read, what you will have, would have just read in chapters 1 and 2, that at the end of each day, God had said, Tov, 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 it is good, it's good, it's good. And the last day, Tov, Mahod, it's very good, right? Um, now, Adam and Eve would also know evil. Right? So that free will, that choice, um, is not quite as, as um, well, genuine as you think, right? Um, what's the key verb... That's the basis for Eve's decision in verse 6. The verb, I highlighted it there for you. She saw, right? What sense should instead be the basis of Eve's decision? What she sees with her eyes? No, what she hears with her ears. Again, from Romans. Um, let's see where I want to jump in. Uh, there's so much here. But uh, they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. It does not come by seeing, right? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe, right? Because they hear, right? So it's all about the words and about hearing here. Her eyes confirm the lies of the devil, right? That she saw the tree was good for food, pleasing to eye and desiring Desirable to make one wise, all right? So, when did Eve sin? When she saw the fruit? When she took it? When she ate it? No. The sin occurred when she listened to Satan's words, and then that shaped her thoughts um, and her actions, and her words, even. Where was Adam while Satan was tempting Eve, by the way? Uh, end of verse 6, she also gave to her husband, who with her, and he ate. He was there the whole time. So, Adam, again, also neglected in his duties, 
right? He should have defended Eve, not by like uh, killing the serpent or something, but simply by speaking God's words, right? Because that's what would have rebuked the lies of the devil. Uh, why does their nakedness bother them? Oh, it's indi- indicative of a wholesale change of their nature, right? Um, now they recognize their sin. It's just like Paul said, once I heard what coveting was, I desired to covet all the more, right? Once once I knew that I was, you know, once they knew they were naked, they're going to use that nakedness all over the place, actually, for a rebellion. Um, what two things did they do to hide then? All right, they took the leaves of the tree and sewed them together for coverings, and then also tried to hide in the bushes, <laughs> which um, actually prefigures a reversal that comes in Jesus. This is helpful. We are clothed by God, but we're, we will be clothed, um, or we are clothed in the clothing of baptism, we heard about on Sunday, and we do hide in God now. We hide um, in the shadow of the cross, right? Or literally, we're behind Christ. He goes before us. Right? So, we've. Um, there's actually a prayer, Oh Lord, you are my hiding place. I can't, oh, where is that? Are my hiding place. Oh, it's a song. Uh, da, 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 worship song. Our Maranatha seeker said, oh no, it's uh, Psalm 32. There it is. And Psalm 27. <laughs> Psalm 27, Psalm 32. Um, we confess that Jesus, or that the Lord is our hiding place. We hide in him. Right? Rather than trying to hide from God, we hide in God. So there's a reversal that already happens there. And that that we, um, even the psalmist can confess on the basis of the promise made to, to, to Eve and then to Adam, of course, by extension, but also to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and David, and the rest. All right. Let's summarize it. Men often see sin only as a deed which has been done. Yet the fall into sin occurred before the fruit was ever eaten. As faith comes by hearing the word of God, so unfaith or unbelief comes through the hearing of another word. The serpent brought a competing word to Eve. Adam remained silent. He failed to speak the word of God, which the last Adam must speak for all the world in his temptation by Satan. The word of the serpent produced the desire for that which is not given by God. Believing the words of the serpent, Eve saw that the fruit of the tree was good, even though the word of God declared otherwise. The blindness of sin had overtaken Eve, while Adam consented by his own silence. Although trees and clothing would not hide the guilt of Adam and Eve, the tree of the cross and the righteous robes of Christ given in baptism are the hiding place which God the Father has prepared for all men. And uh, Chris notes, yes, um, hide me in the shadow of your wings is another psalm, right? So that's beautiful. Uh, one thing I see. Yes, here it is. Uh, psalm 27. Um, For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock, right? Do not hide your face from me, right? So that's reflecting on the garden, etc., Right, so And then what was the other one I said? Psalm 32. Uh, trying to find it here. Yeah, here we go. This is the one I was thinking of. For this cause, everyone who is godly shall pray to you in the time when you may be found. Surely in a flood of great waters, they shall not come near him. You are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You surround me with songs of deliverance. Hmm? Beautiful.
Uh, one other note that I wanted to make for you here today, uh, what, what I was struck by is the way that um, we are naive to the language games that are being played. Um, I, I think we, we recognize some of it, like the definite, like I can't, who was it? The, the new Supreme Court justice who can't define what a woman is. Well, I'm not a biologist, I think was her explanation. I think we need to recognize uh, exactly what's going on there. Um, one, there's some political, you know, hucking and jiving on that. Um, just trying to play football there with the political football um, of transgenderism and all of that. But recognize what's really going on. It's an attack. The attack on language is an attack on God's word, right? If they can convince you to define male and female as something other than what God has said, right? Um, as a particular sex, not just a grammatical construction, gender, right? But actual sex, that he made them male and female, and that together male and female um, constitute family and also constitute the image of God in reflection. Um, it undermines all of society and actually creation itself. Um, this happens with other aspects of um, God's creative word, right? But they they want you, they, they attack words like faith, they attack words like salvation, redemption, justification, um, and the and the attack is is as subtle as the devil. Uh, this came from uh, well, the, these language games have been happening throughout the began even before the Enlightenment. I think it's actually the original sin in a lot of ways, but um, in particular, it, it has found prominence in education theory. So you've seen schools be at the forefront of this. Libraries followed. Um, universities were kind of where it started. Um, and the idea was is that if we redefine words um, to such a way that it, that they almost mean the opposite, right? So you must be anti-racist or, you know, you speak of democracy. Democracy today does not mean, the, it's not the classical definition. It's it's a key word. It's a, it's a token word. It's just a political, um, what do you want to say, slogan. It's not actually, they don't actually mean what the word means. Um, that, that that ends up being an attack on just the nature of reality. If we can no longer use words with common meaning, then, uh, and words do change meaning, by the way, but but if if all words have no meaning uh, or all words are violence, that ultimately undermines the ability of um, the church to preach and for you then to believe, right? Because actually we believe that God has spoken to us and it's, it's his speaking that that actually creates reality, defines it, uh, and directs it. All right, so um, you can see where Satan's attack comes, and that is the primary vector of attack today, um, quite obviously, right? Attacking the definition of words, changing the definition of words to fit whatever agenda um, or direction um, those in control would like to um, to direct things. All right. So um, be on, be aware of that, and then also um, very directive in rebuking those who attempt to redefine words. Right? No, I'm not going to allow you to change the definition of the word to suit your fancy, uh, or t- for your agenda, or for your political movement, or um, or for your sin. Actually, right? yeah, taking good, making it evil, just by changing it the the word. Right. Very good, Chris. All right, let's sing our hymn, In Thee is Gladness.
hark heaven, the gifts of heaven, thou the true, who redeemer art. Our souls thou wakest, our bonds thou breakest, who trust thee surely has built securely. Forever, hallelujah. Our hearts are pining to see thy shining, dying or living, to thee are cleaving, not can us sever, hallelujah. Since he is ours, we fear no powers, not of sin, nor death. He sees and blesses in worst distresses. He can change them with the breath. Wherefore the story tell of his glory with hearts and voices. All heaven rejoices in him forever. We shout for gladness, triumph for sadness, love him and praise him, and still shall raise him, let him forever, hallelujah. What a lovely hymn, huh? All right. Let us pray. Most merciful God and Father, you teach us in the Ninth Commandment that we should not make an idol out of the things that belong to others, but that we should help and be of service to our neighbor in keeping what belongs to him. You have called us in love to look out for and protect all the temporal gifts that belong to others. For Jesus' sake, forgive us for every form of covetous desire and envy, for insisting upon having things that you have not given us, for being preoccupied with finding ways to get more and more for ourselves and for making plans to obtain things from others by claiming that we have a right to them and they do not. Guard the thoughts and desires of our hearts. Rescue us from every form of greed and selfishness. Teach us to love our neighbor by being of service to him and protecting what you have given him. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. All right. O Lord, we implore you, let your continual pity cleanse and defend your church, and because she cannot continue in safety without your aid, Preserve her evermore by your help and goodness. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Pray today for deliverance against temptation and evil, for the addicted and despairing, for the tortured and oppressed, and for those struggling with sin. We pray today in Thanksgiving with Adeline and Tyler, who celebrate their baptism. Pray for our households, Jim, Dennis, Stephanie, Deborah, Aaron, and Robert. Pray for our catechumens. We pray for those ill, Marcella, Joe, Kelsey, Dan, Brad, Ron, Betty, Pat, Connie, and Heidi. Pray for our homebound, Bev, Willis, Ed, Mickey, Paul, and Pauline. Pray for the missions and mercy work of the church, especially Anchor of Hope, Health Center in Sheboygan. And we intercede um, before the Lord for victory over temptations and for safekeeping from the devil's plots. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger, and I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings in life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right. It's been a joy to have you with us here today for the Congregation of Prayer. I uh, hope you can join us again tomorrow. Tomorrow we'll uh, continue to consider the um, commandments on coveting with the rich young ruler. And you're welcome, Don, um, and everybody else there who've been watching live. Those of you who listen or watch later in the day, God be with you as well and keep you safe too. Hopefully tomorrow we'll have a little bit better internet service yet. Um, it's been turned on, but the uh, some of the parts I need um, are coming via Amazon today. Hopefully uh, then I can finish that out and not spend any more time or effort on it, <laughs> which is the goal. All right, God's blessings to you today and always. We'll see you tomorrow. We thank you for listening to this podcast from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church Sermon Center in Random Lake, Wisconsin. If this podcast is of benefit to you, please consider supporting the work of St. John by visiting stjohnrandomlake.org, that's stjohnrandomlake.org, slash support, and give today.